0: The kick, the pitch, toward left field. Will it stay fair? Going, 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 and going fair, and that baby is out of here. Going, 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 going. I a You are listening to Rum Buncher Radio. That is the call that you maybe didn't realize you needed in your life, but will forever be in your memory banks. That call is courtesy of Andy Durham of the Greensboro Grasshoppers, the Pirates' low-A affiliate and immaculate call to get us started with this episode of Rum Buncher Radio. We had an immaculate inning earlier in the series against Tampa Bay, but the Pirates are swept uh, against the Rays there. They've now been swept two times in a row in the trap, but guys, since the last time we have been joining you, the Pirates got to 20 wins, got 12 games over, they're now 12 and 20 on this season, eight games over, but they're still first place in the NL Central because, uh, well, we got some help from everybody else in the division. Um, the four-game losing streak, and we're going to talk about that, we're going to talk about the winning as well, though, talk about everything going on, of course, the uh, You know, not just losing in Tampa Bay in the win-loss column, but a huge loss potentially as well with Vince Velazquez having to leave the game early with injury. What has already been? An injury-plagued rotation. What is going to happen there? What is it going to look like as the Pirates return home to PNC Park to take on the Toronto Blue Jays? Uh, What do we got for the rest of the month of May? What do we got going on? with Marty Leap and Nick Caporosso. What's up, guys? And what is up to everybody joining us for this episode? Thank you for being here. Guys, I'm, you know, we're going to get into this series here. We're going to get into uh, the injuries, everything else. But uh, how are we doing? School year's wrapping up, I know. And, um, you know, the spring is beginning. What's going on with you guys?
1: Not much. I mean, I, we're down to 18 more days of school. It can't get here soon enough. Um, anyone who is a teacher gets it. Nick, I know you get it. You hit this point of the year and you're yeah. like, man, I'm done. I'm done. I'm ready for summer. I'm done. Um, So yeah, hopefully these next 18 days of school go fast and hopefully the pirates keep playing well and we have a fun summer ahead of us on the North shore.
2: Yeah. You know, just looking forward to spending the first summer, you know, being a new dad, And everything and having being like you said a teacher having that summer off it's gonna be uh you know not just a a fun summer you know to get to watch pirate baseball all the time but to to spend with my daughter also so I'm definitely uh you know doing good
0: (laughs) Nick your daughter is obviously a good luck charm I mean she is you know, 20 and 12 in her young Pirates fandom career here. A lot
2: better than I was, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> no doubt. Uh, it took, I think, 16 years to uh, get my first winning season on Earth. She might get it in Euro number one here. So hopefully uh, the Pirates can continue their winning ways. But a four-game losing streak. They they uh, dropped the finale there in D.C. Just a weird day, you know, a day that was delayed with rain and rain game that I didn't think was going to be played, to be honest. Um, and you wonder kind of how Johan Oviedo was affected uh, with the delay. I know he warmed up. Um, it was just kind of an awkward game in general there. But the Pirates uh, really beat down in that game. If you're going to lose, I guess, um, you know, have everything go the opposite way. All the luck was in D.C.'s favor. As we get it started, guys, just kind of your thoughts on the Pirates series in the the District of Columbia, obviously dominant Saturday. They win both games. They they win by 15 runs in game number two. Grand Salami for Jack Sawinski. I think it's the second of his career. But um, you know, a fun series. Pirates take two out of three. Obviously, you want to get the sweep there. But uh just your overall thoughts from Nats and Bucks.
2: I thought it was a good series. Um, you know, I know the Nationals obviously are being looked at as a team that should definitely finish behind the Pirates in the standings, especially now, but even before the season that was expected. But, you know, th- these are the games, the series that the Pirates need to win. You know, if they truly have taken that step forward, you know, everyone's just talking about, you know, how sustainable is this Yada? But like what it comes down to is if the Pirates can continue to win the series that they should win go on the road, take two or three from the Nationals. Um, you know, it's tough to complain about doing that no matter who you're playing. So, you know, if they can continue um, to do that and, you know, hopefully play some uh, good baseball against their interdivision division rivals, which sometimes can be an issue. But we're off to a good start there also with the Cardinals. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's that's what we're looking at.
1: Yeah, first and foremost, let me say how awesome it is to look at the standing and see the St. Louis Cardinals be 10-22. and 22. Um, Never thought I'd see that day. Um, anyone who knows me knows it's that.
2: They're right with the Pirates start. It's, like, it's yeah. like a close second.
1: Yeah, honestly, <laughs> like if the Pirates were like five or six games under five i I'd still be happy because the Cardinals stink. Um, yeah. Any anyone who knows me knows that the St. Louis Cardinals and Ohio State Buckeyes are guaranteed to get my blood boiling every single time. So I'd love to see it. Um, But no, it's, it's yeah. Like you said, Nick, they went to DC. They did what you do. You know, look at the Cubs who everyone wants to rave about. Oh, the Cubs spent all this money and look at the start. The Cubs got off to, they just went down to DC lost three or four to the nationals or under 500. The pirates did. What good teams do when you play teams like the Washington Nationals. They Especially on the road. road. Yeah. You went on the road, you took two of three, you bludgeoned them in game two, that double header. And like you said, Trey, game three thought that rain delay. You know, honestly, the worst part about the rain delay was both starting pitches were starting to get, you know, stretched out and revved up when they delayed it. So if Johan Oviedo has a regular, you know, just a regular pregame routine, maybe he pitches better, you know? So, yeah, they did what good teams do. You go on the road. I don't care if you're the best team in baseball playing the worst team in baseball. If you're on the road, you will gladly take two out of three every single time, and that's what the Pirates did when they played Washington.
2: Yeah, and, you know, to pick up on that Aviato thing, you know, at the end of the day, this guy has very limited experience as a starting pitcher in the big leagues, so we can – I, I, you know, we can definitely say that maybe the rain delay did have an effect to him being that maybe he's never had to deal with that in his professional career. Like who knows when the last time was that, you know, he was going to make a start and be, you know, and then have to wait on top of that. He's, he's just young, you know, he's still figuring out that part of the game. You know, he's still figuring out what it means to just be a Starting pitcher after being in the bullpen for the Cardinals, so you know I'm I'm not overly concerned about. It. I know there was a lot of you know people who were out there. Again, you're on the road, rain delay, young pitcher, not a lot of experience, potential to happen.
0: They're babies, you know not not just Johan Ronzi as well, uh, and even you know Mitch Keller still to an extent is. Obviously, had it figured out so far this season, um, you know, did everything he could yesterday and, and throughout the this early season has looked good, looked good in the second half of last year. But you look at those three, you know, and they're just so young. You expect to have these little blow ups here and there. Um, and and with the, uh, you know, the conditions there on Sunday, just an awkward day for Johan. Hopefully he can bounce back. Um, but you know, guys, it's uh, it's funny. It was a road series. How about Pirates fans? It was loud in in DC and in Tampa. You know, you could hear over uh, the television. I'm sure in person as well. Um, there's a lot of Pirates fans. Probably more Pirates fans in both ballparks uh, than the home team. But uh, the Pirates do take two out of three in DC. Um, they go to Tampa Bay, and you know, baseball is weird, guys. I think this this season has been um, just so different. You look at. The Dodgers, the team the Pirates took two out of three from, they don't look the same. You really look across the National League in general. Atlanta has been phenomenal so far. Uh, You have a a couple teams up and down. The Phillies regained Bryce Harper, so maybe that changes things um, for the NL East. But there's not a lot of teams that you look at as extremely deadly so far. Talked about the Cubs a second ago. Uh, That is a team that spent a lot of money. You know, they're going to sell some jerseys. They're going to uh, pack the ballpark all summer, but looking at this NL central here and just kind of a snapshot in early May, who's going to compete for this division? I mean, we've seen some early injuries in Milwaukee. I think they're your favorite at this point, but this is a weird division. I mean, you know, who are the pirates biggest, uh, biggest threat here early on
1: themselves. yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah, this division's not very good. Um, The reds, are what we expected a team with three good starting pitchers and absolutely nothing else. Um I don't think the Cubs are very good coming into the season. I thought the Cardinals would win the division, but they look just awful. Um, and Milwaukee, they're a team that does not have a lot of depth. And with Brandon Woodruff already hurt some injuries to a not deep lineup. Yeah. It's, I know I said this a week or two ago and I stand by it, there's there's definitely a scenario where like 85 86 wins can win this division. Um, and with the pirates off to the start, they are like you guys said, the, 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 this was a terrible week for the national league central though. The last five days, national league central was like a bind. I think two and 18 two and 19, something like that. Um, the pirates have lost four games in a row and they're leading the division has not changed. It's stayed one and a half games. So I think right now, if, I mean, if I was a betting man, I'd probably have the Brewers as the betting favorites to win this division right now. And they probably are the betting favorites to win the division right now, because of the start St. Louis is off to. But if the pirates get to continue to pitch the way they have, and obviously that might be a bit of a challenge here. And we'll get into that more when we get to Vince Velasquez. Um, but if they can continue to pitch the way they have, continue to hit for power the way they have and clean up their defense, this is a team that can hang around in this division and be there in September. Um, you know, I get it's only been thirty two games or whatever, but like I said, this division's not good. The Pirates have been by far the best team in the division thus far. And you know, if they can just keep doing what they've been doing, they're gonna hang around and they're gonna contend all year, and it's probably if I had to guess, is going to come down to Pittsburgh and Milwaukee because I don't think Chicago's good. I don't think Cincinnati's good. And the Cardinals are already 10 games back at first. And people can sit here all they want because they're going to do, oh, it's the St. Louis Cardinals. It's the Pirates. At the end of the year, the Cardinals will be blah, blah. It's very difficult to be 11 games better than a baseball team over the course of of 130 games or whatever's left. I know 130 games is a lot, but being 11 games better than another team during that stretch, especially when you're 12 games under 500 and that other team's a first place team, that's not easy to do. And if nothing else with the division this year, I feel very confident in saying that for the first time since 1997, the pirates are going to finish ahead of the St. Louis Cardinals and say what you want. As a Pittsburgh Pirate fan, if that doesn't put a smile on your face, I don't know what your problem is. That's I
2: just, a, off there to, you know,
1: yeah, a, I get you said you're smiling on cameras. I'm talking about it. I love it.
0: That's a shocking number. I mean, you know, you would think at least one of the three seasons, one of the you know, four seasons, they, they would have passed him there. That is, uh, that's unbelievable, but uh, but
2: you're right because like the Cardinals haven't won a playoff series since beating the Pirates.
0: Yeah, it was. like
2: and and they had the best record, the only record better than the Pirates. Like it, it's like they literally are a thorn in this franchise's side, and yeah. so you know I don't feel bad, you know, being happy to see Jordan Montgomery, you know, being unhappy that this course in the dugout there, um, you know, us as Pirate fans, we've got dumped on for years, especially by. Um, you know those St. Louis Cardinal elitists so I'm very much uh, happy uh, that the rules are reversed and you know it looks like a mess right now down there.
0: Well it's a mess and it's just so boring I mean look at that roster you know you look at the outfield it's the same guy in three spots you have two obviously Hall of Fame hitters um, future Hall of Famers in the lineup but that's a boring team. That's a staff that has completely fallen off. And, you know, you look at what is maybe an ace in Michaelis or, um, you know, Flaherty. They both have not been great. Jordan Hicks has been figured out. That's a team that, uh, that has a lot of problems. Um, you know, a, a fun young outfielder that's now back in AAA. Uh, that's a team that's in, in a really bad spot. And, you know, you look at this week and you said it, Marty, the Pirates lead hasn't changed. They're still a game and a half up. It's like, you know, you think, damn, if they could have just won one of these games in Tampa Bay, if they could have wrapped it up, that lead grows a little bit. You, uh, you know, you start to add some pad onto it. But it's May. There's time to, uh, you know, to bounce back here against Toronto throughout uh, this weekend into next week. And hopefully, um, you know, as the division starts to regain its footing, the Pirates do as well. And uh, you can add on to this lead here. But um, let's get to Tampa Bay. A three game sweep. Uh, and yeah, I, we talked a lot of vibes last week when we had our guy Shaq on the vibes were not good in the series from the jump. I don't know if something carried over from that Sunday game, game one on, you know, you tie the game on, uh, what could have been called a controversial slide. Uh, if Q Brian Hayes was safe or not, you get the run there, but, um, you know, you just don't feel good. They come back out. They allow two runs. Uh, I think that was the same inning with the drop pop fly errors lead to runs with two outs there. Tampa runs away with game number one last night. You have the lead two out situation again, Castro, uh, you know, fudges the ground ball that allows three runs. It just felt like everything in this series, you know, hedges ropes the ball right to the third baseman there, uh, in a potential two run scoring situation, everything just went wrong in this series. And I think Andrew McCutcheon even said it today, post game, it just didn't feel like they were ever going to win that game in game number three today. Uh, You know, game number two, you face McClanahan. Keller looks solid, but, um, you know, overall, guys, this was a bad vibe series. Kind of generally, as we get into it here, your thoughts um, just on the play and all the mistakes and everything else these last three days.
2: Yeah, I'll start off with a positive, actually. Overall, the starting pitching in this series, I think, proved something to me. Um, You know, seeing Keller, obviously, Pitched well, like all the pitchers, starters pitched well, and the only issues that came up for Keller and Contreras were created by you know his defense behind him. So, I mean, Contreras the leadoff walk um, in his game that started the unravel. That wasn't that wasn't good, but again a pitcher like him who has the stuff he has he he typically has the capability of working around it and he did but it didn't work out because of his defense behind him so i think the starting pitching to see them pitch you know effectively against against tampa uh that that was definitely you know a positive from the series not a whole lot else uh, after that um you know we saw very much uh 2020 to 2022 pittsburgh pirate um glimpses i would say you know i wouldn't say all the time you know they they played some pretty good a lot of good innings in this series against the race they just had a couple of really bad innings that you know really reminded me of stuff we've seen over the last couple of years um but at the same time didn't cause me to have panic about you know this team's uh future by any means
1: yeah you know one thing i will say um and you know the the weekly episode per episode shout out to my buddy john i'm sure is listening um texting back and forth with him during game two i said you know it's nice to be pissed off because they're doing stupid things in games you feel like matter and not well they're 12 games under 500 who cares if they can't fill the baseball you're not going anywhere you know it it it's good to have that feeling again for the first time in a while. Um, but, yeah, like you said, Nick, just too many self-inflicted wounds. That that pop fly, I mean, yeah, Rohanzi Contreras be the first one to tell you he cannot issue a leadoff walk after they tie the game. But um, at the same time, Rudolfo Castro is going to catch that pop fly. Um, one play in that game, in this series, that does not get talked about that still – has me shaking my head and wondering like, what the hell are they doing when the race had runners on the corners and sent Hmm. that lead runner
2: hedges has been uh yeah. yeah.
1: Why you are taught in, as soon as you move out of coach pitch and you have base runners running on you, you were taught at nine, 10 years old. You don't throw down with runners on the corners because they're trying to steal an easy run. And Not only did Hedges throw down in a situation where you never throw down, it was a lobbed, god awful lollipop of a throw from his knees. Like it wasn't even a good throw. I, it was, and that led to that third Tampa Bay run. And man, just I, I, that play didn't get talked about enough. And I don't know if Hedges missed a sign somewhere. Um, I, I don't know, but it was just a terrible play. And then Mitch Keller started. I mean, that was some of the best stuff I've seen Keller have in a long time. And his final line looked terrible because his defense couldn't get out of their own way. I mean, what Castro boots a ball that would have ended the inning after Bay went down on a ground ball. That I still don't know what in the world he was thinking, or if he just stands up and backhands it, he fields it. And then later in the game, Bay can't get that ball out of his glove. The middle of the runner down tries to throw to first, throws it into the corner and, even after the Castro and Bay errors and what was at the third inning, I think, again, a play that gets overlooked. That ball that Brian Reynolds in center field lets get by him for a double that probably led to an extra run for Tampa Bay, maybe two, just you're you're not you're not going to win many baseball games playing defense like that, but especially against good teams. And I will say if there is one concern of mine coming out of this series. It is the defense, because low-key, the defense has not been very good this year. It just hasn't mattered. And in this series, when it mattered, that bad defense finally bit them. And, you know, offensively, Castro's done a phenomenal job filling in for O'Neill Cruz. But with the glove at shortstop, I feel it's where they really miss Cruz. And we saw that this series, because there were multiple plays Castro didn't make. I feel very confident
0: saying Cruz does make. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a good, it's obviously, uh, you know, the best team at baseball in Tampa Bay. So they're going to capitalize on those mistakes. Um, and it's somewhat of a home field advantage with the dome on the drop pop fly, but uh, you know, some of the ground ball errors and just some of the, the situations that those errors were made in you kick yourself um, because this is a team that the Pirates, I think if you follow the Pirates, there's nothing to prove, you know, what the, the makeup looks like, you know why they're winning, but, for the general baseball fan, this was an opportunity to kind of prove, "Hey, this is legit." You know, this is a team that's winning games for a reason, and so many silly mistakes—that's the reason they get dominated and they get swept in the series. And now, all the doubters, all the haters, uh, you know, they—they—they're um, going to get a little bit louder here. And there was balls driven. Don't get me wrong, but too many mistakes in the series.
1: Just I, will open it, door.
0: Right.
2: I will say yeah. you know I believe we we were like two for like 20 with runners in one, scoring position one,
1: positions one so. for 21
2: one was True. it one for 21 one for okay.
1: 21 with 22 runners left on base they had every opportunity in the world in this series so again runs.
2: you know when you're making those mistakes like and yeah, like our, our, you're not bailing your pitchers out and your offense isn't bailing out either. You know, it's just, it wasn't good baseball, you know, it just, hopefully it was just, you know, kind of a, you know, part of the, the, the curve and just like, Hey, you know, they they were due for a bad, a bad series. And that's going to happen. Like you said, different ballpark, very unique game for them. Like, I don't know, but I just know that, you know, we, the, the mistakes that were made in the field is something that definitely is a concern and, you know, but the runners and scoring position thing, why that concerns me so much is just because again, that's something that this team has struggled with the last couple of years and, you know, don't want to see that become a trend again.
0: Yeah, and you know, they've really been so great this year in cashing in in those situations and, and hitting with two outs and the little things like that and uh, hit it on the nose. There's so many mistakes offensively to go along with the defense in those situations throughout this series. How do you guys feel about the lineups that we saw in Tampa Bay? And even in D.C., um, you know, Miguel Andujar comes up and uh, Marty's Drumaji gets his first uh, major league base hit, drives in a run. A um, couple hits in that that Saturday game, but... Ah, uh, what how do we feel about the lineups? And do you think that any of that um you know, could have been changed to uh, affect some winning in this series?
1: I, I I will say I think for the first time you're starting to see this lineup Miss O'Neill Cruz. I mean, you knew it was coming. You knew sooner or later they were gonna miss him. I think you're starting to see it. Um, the powers disappeared. Uh, yeah, and it's not even just the power. It's the top of that lineup, you know, Right now, you would love to be able to move Andrew McCutcheon down for a little while, just because he is stuck in a little bit of a rut. Get him going again, bump him back up. But it's like, what do you do then? Because I, I think you're where you're missing Cruz to me the most is your ability to construct this lineup the way Derek Shelton wants to. Um, I'm sure he he does not want Key Brian Hayes batting leadoff against right-handed pitching, um, but Jiwan Bay is struggling at the plate. Do you? So what do you do at the top? Do you try and get? Marcano in the lineup more maybe put him at the top of the lineup. Um, but last year we saw Marcano when he played every day kind of get exposed. So I and that's not to say he wouldn't be successful as we talked about in here two keys, what, like 22, 23 years old. There's every reason in the world to believe the kick could be a better hitter than he was last year. But um I, I it's crazy to say because I never thought I'd feel this way coming into the year the way the roster is constructed, but right now I feel a lot better about this team against left-handed pitching than do right-handed pitching. Um, especially with Andrew har up here now I, I think you know you look what Connor joe's done the guy's been a freaking godsend and between him and Andrew har and what hayes has done in his career against lefties and rodolfo castro hits lefties much better than righties That's um true. santana as well kutch yeah like i feel so much better against left-handed pitching but um yeah i don't know i think I think again. I don't. I don't. I don't think there's any reasons for major concern. These are none of none of this is, it should be a surprise. Like I said, the defense has been poor most of the year. It hasn't hurt them yet. The lineup you lost your hitter with the highest ceiling. Eventually, that was going to bite you in the butt, no matter who you are. It's starting to happen. But this is this is where Derek Shelton and Donnie Kelly and Andy Haynes and these guys are going to make their money because they they got to get some things figured out. This lineup. Um, you know you're going to face a Toronto team that's got a really good pitching staff. The Rays start aside, in my opinion, Toronto is still the best team in the American League. I would still pick the Blue Jays to win the American League pennant right now. Um, it, it's not going to be easy this weekend, and then you get to go beat up on the Rockies some more, which would be great. But until then, you got to deal with three of Toronto first. So, yeah, I'll be curious to see what happens with this lineup because they're definitely going to get some things figured out here, especially at the top, especially that leadoff spot. You might have
2: figure out something with the pitching staff too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my biggest concern here is, is, I mean, I never thought coming into the year again, my biggest concern is going to be a potential injury to Vince Velasquez, but Velasquez has been awesome. He is pitching the best baseball of his entire career. This rotation has already been gutted by injuries. If they lose Velasquez for any sort of extended period of time, they might be Okay. But they have no wiggle room left. If Velasquez goes on the IL and you call up Luis Ortiz, like I said, you might be all right because Ortiz is pretty talented in his own right. But you get another injury or another guy struggling, you are screwed.
2: Yeah. I mean, between losing Baker, losing Burroughs, who would have been, you know,
1: maybe, I, I think if Burroughs maybe- was healthy, he might be the guy for Ortiz yeah. to Burroughs I feel like Burroughs is further along with that third pitch and they'd want Ortiz at triple A a little bit longer.
2: Yeah, and you know, all about that that super two. Also, I, I think they want not be as worried about Burrows' super two stats as Ortiz is um, you know, how they are with that. And that's why I'm hoping that they do call up Ortiz. I mean I, the reason he's not up now is because of Super Two, you know, and it's just—I
1: I don't know. I, I do think with Ortiz, he did need a third pitch. There was definitely things where, but if you look at May's schedule, they might be—you'll need a fifth guy this time through. You might not need a fifth starter again. Do you play the Rangers at the end of the month? Because you—you're off. I think four times in the course of the next, like, 13 days or something. You think they're
2: that, it with Cody Bolton maybe
1: a little bit? possibility. Yeah, you know, go opener and then Bolton Bolton is a bulk guy. Or, God, God you know what they're going to do. Yeah, they're going to – and I can see it come – they're going to freaking stretch out Chase the Young on his rehab. Cool. Oh, God. I, I would – I'd cry. But <laughs> what it's just – this is where – what up, I know when Brubaker got hurt, people didn't want to hear it because Brubaker was an easy punching bag last year, even though I never understood why. This is where you miss JT Brubaker, man, because Old reliable. If, Yeah, if Brubaker was healthy, you know who's coming up to replace Vince Velasquez right now? Johan Oviedo, and that would be pretty nice. Oviedo would either be getting pulled out of the bullpen or getting caught up in Triple A to replace Velasquez. While wow, you can continue to let Ortiz work on things at AAA. But, um, yeah, that Brubaker injury, it, it's one that, when it happened, I felt could really hurt this team, and though a lot of people didn't want to talk about that. But it, it's its one that's rearing its ugly head now.
2: One good thing was that Priester did throw six shutout innings tonight at AAA. He's had a, kind of an up-and-down year. He's had some good starts and some bad starts, not not a whole lot in between. Um, again like a guy like him you know we've talked about how we're not as high on him as you know many are but at the end of the day he's still one of our better pitching prospects and is in triple a so you know with these injuries the way they are we might be seeing Priester up here you know a little sooner than i i would have thought coming into the season definitely mm-hmm. you know you of performance i guess is what i mean you know what i like yeah i
1: yeah. You know, here's my thing if it push comes the shove, what would you rather do? Because to me, it's a no brainer throw Quinn Priester to the Wolves and the majors and see what happens, or call up some schmuck like Caleb Smith and just say, Go, you know, like let's. let's it, like,
2: we're not the St. Louis Cardinals here, 10 and whatever, like yeah. you know, I mean, we're a winning baseball club, yeah, You gotta, if
1: it, you know? you're, yeah, if you're contending, I yeah, just. Throw Priester out there. I'd rather I'd rather watch Priester go get lit up than watch Caleb Smith go get lit up. At least at least with Priester, you might hope he turns into something. With Caleb Smith, like the dude's got a track record. You know what he is. You know what's the other dude in Triple A? Everyone salivating over because he had one good outing. Beto, like
2: uh, yeah, I, awesome. I, I, I hear him,
1: Nick, and I think of Brett Marabito. Like no, has don't, don't
2: be been on my radar for a little bit. though. you know that.
1: Yeah. But I don't want them in my starting rotation.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, you where know. We're, at, it ain't, we're not in great shape. No, but <laughs>
1: you know, and, and it's crazy. A, too. That's where we're at the Pirates aren't in first place anymore.
0: <laughs> no, no chance. No chance. And maybe not with the exciting young guys either, but you would at least rather have that look, you know. And that's something – I think it was game two in Colorado. Velazquez struggled early on, and it was – a little bit there before he heated up, it was like, you know, maybe we would rather even see Luis Ortiz right now if they're able to get around Super 2, but, uh, you know, that might be the the forced situation at this point. Um, Depending on on the outlook, I think it was right elbow uh, discomfort was the official uh, word given, so not looking great for Vince Velasquez at this point. Um, And then you weigh those options. All the ones that you guys just went over, uh, you know, potential for an exciting young player like Luis Ortiz or you know, maybe some other guys. Uh, and it's crazy to think, too, we, I think we had it in our spring training episode with Jason Mackey talking about just how much depth there was, you know, and how many guys, uh, it was kind of a good problem. It's like, what do you do with JT Brubaker? Um, you know, are you in the camp of, of give this guy that fit spot? Do you stick him in the bullpen? Um, and at this point, obviously, things have gotten extremely thin. So what do they do? Uh, we're gonna have to see here. And, you know, we hope that Vince Velazquez is just fine. Maybe it was just some soreness or, you know, maybe something that keeps him out for a short period of time rather than uh, something that requires surgery and something that, um, you know, kind of forces your hand here. But if their hand is forced, um, I think I'm in the Luis Ortiz camp. Uh, or, or, you know, shoot, you know, maybe you rush Quinn Priester here um, even a little bit later on after, uh, after you try an opener situation with Cody Bolton or they try to open with somebody else. But, um, you know, things look a little bit scary after this series. What is the right reaction, guys? Because obviously this injury could set the Pirates back. They're still a game and a half up, but they've been swept. They've lost four in a row. Nothing went right in Tampa Bay. Uh, after everything went right for the first month plus here. Um, what's the right reaction? How do people need to feel right now? I'm going to just be
2: simple with it is, you know, it's May and – the standings suggest that the Pirates are playing ma- meaningful baseball. None of us ever thought that would be the case. So just continue to, to enjoy it and, you know, we'll see where it goes.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, first and foremost, every baseball team, no matter how good you are, are going to go through these stretches where they're going to lose four in a row. They're going to lose 8 of 10. It happens, no matter how good you are. Secondly, like you said, Nick, it's it's May 4th. We're setting your recording this on Thursday, May 4th, and the Pirates are 20-12 and 12 and a game and a half up in the National League Central. Anybody would have taken this on the first week of May. Um, so just enjoy it. You're going to go through these ruts. Ruch- the ebbs and flows of baseball. Like we said, the Pirates got really lucky that – they hit this rough patch the same time the entire National League Central decided to quit winning baseball games for a couple of days. You know, just, just, hey, you get lucky like that sometimes. Be happy. You're coming home. The Blue Jays, as good as they are, are coming off a series in Boston where they kind of got their lunch handed to them a little bit as well. So they're not playing great baseball right now. Um, so it seems like you might be catching Toronto at the right time. You don't get Manoa or Gosman in this series, which is pretty nice. So hopefully you can take advantage of that, but yeah, just be happy. This is a good baseball team. They went out and played the team with the best record in major league baseball team off to a historically good start. And quite honestly, the pirates beat themselves between, you know, defensive issues, not hitting with runners in scoring position. They beat themselves. They really did. Um, the umpiring crew. I mean, I could do an entire podcast episode um, about those schmucks. I I have seen better umpires in T-ball games. How, especially as obvious and blatant as it was, how major league umpires missed that buck still blows my mind. Um, the unprofessionalism of how they handled Derek Shelton's ejection. There was, there was a lot there. There was a lot there. Um, I'm going to have an article about that on the site on Friday about this umpire and crew and just how incredibly incompetent they were. Um, but even all that aside, even as bad as these umps were, the Pirates were there and clean up the defense and hit better with the running position. It might have taken two or three. So yeah, no, no reason to panic coming out of this.
0: Well, you know, just to kind of expand, I mean, how immature was this staff uh, or this crew of umpires? I mean, you know, and in situations that you don't want to, be that guy you don't want to point to umpires but situations that cost the pirates you know big situations uh in two games in the first two games of the series There, um so unprofessional and uh you know frustrating um in both of those games there austin hedges though uh you know whether it's a balk or not you just get frustrated with his reaction and kind of um You know, the reaction of uh, a few guys there to the response from everybody was not great. But uh, yeah, no, Little League, uh, Little League crew this week did not happen. I have
2: a little bit of a theory on this umpire thing, too. These with the the strike zones have been pretty horrendous, I feel, all year. And, you know, I, I think back to when the NFL made it that you could challenge pass interference. And, like, it pretty much was reported that that was never going to be overturned because the referees disagreed with it. And I, I'm wondering if we're getting a little bit of that with the, this umpiring crew with them, uh, you know, bringing electronic strikes zone to the MLB level. Um, you know, Manfred said that's his next big thing. So, you know, he's he hasn't... Um, You know, he's delivered on on everything he has said. So, you know, I expect that to be coming soon. I know that's in the minor leagues. And, you know, I just wonder how much of this is the umpires kind of, you know, just giving a little bit of the middle finger to to the league and to the
1: players union. I mean, here's my thing. Give that middle finger all you want. If you're better at your job, there would be no need for an automated strike zone. Like, no one's asking for umpires to be perfect. I get it. I played baseball. I coach baseball. I watch a lot of baseball. I understand they're not going to be perfect. Be consistent. Just be consistent. They weren't consistent in this series at all, not to mention, again, I've been – I've never umpired, but you know what's going to come from a dugout. I've been on the dugout side of it as a coach, mother-effing umpires up and down. It's going to happen when you're an umpire. You can't turn around – yell f you Derek!" back at the at, at the dugout and then you know give the eye motion like he's a toddler to the bench coach and say i'm watching you don like you can't do that it's so unprofessional and just i don't understand why like it's it's not okay it's just it's frustrating to watch as a baseball fan first and foremost alone as a fan of the pirates and like, I was glad to see Sheltie get his money's worth when he got tossed on Wednesday. Like, that was just... I mean, that from the first... Literally, from the first pitch of this series, when and Contreras has called for a pitch clock violation, when his pitch calm isn't working and the batter's not even in the box, like, that... And he made it
2: clear that it wasn't working. That's yeah, what really... Had me had off
1: his, yeah, and... Like from literally from the first pitch the Pirates threw in this series, this umpiring crew was completely inept. And to me, it, it almost seemed to me like they were upset that the Pirates got upset that Contreras got tagged with that ball. And like they had this vendetta against the Pirates, the rest of the series. Cause if you watch this, it wasn't, inconsistent for both sides. The Rays were consistently getting strike calls. The pirates weren't just look at the ninth inning on Thursday. Strike two to McCutcheon was a ball. If that is called a ball, especially in that situation with runners on first and second, one out the pirate and the time run at the plate that changes that entire bat. McCutcheon doesn't have to expand the strike zone for the pitch. He struck out on And Andrew McCutcheon is a guy who in his career does not complain about umpires and after the game was heated about the umpires in the series that should tell you something just god i I could go on forever it just i i can't i can't i just i can't do it 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 drives me nuts when umpires can't be consistent and the unprofessionalism of adrian johnson and quinn wilcott specifically in this series was just mind-boggling
0: it's just straight up immaturity at the end of the day. And, you know, I mean, it's like in in anything in life, there's two ways to react when you make a mistake. You can either, you know, kind of own up to that in real time. Or I think, you know, you can get abrasive and you can, uh, you know, try to try to defend yourself with um, just a completely wrong response. In that case, it did give us the best hot mic situation of the year so far that <laughs> thankfully was caught on the broadcast. You know what? Since this is the podcast, we can pump it in. So I'll go ahead and pump it in right about here. Heard of I don't
2: know. Do I look like I have a clock,
0: buzzer? I'll
2: start it. Uh-oh. What's going on, there? i will run the fucking clock. Don't worry about the
0: clock. clock my job. Not your job. Uh but you know, this was um this was this was a poor crew. You could point to a lot of things in this series. It just went wrong. I'm glad you highlighted something positive to start us there. And there were other positives. Andrew McCutcheon gets to home run number two ninety-three, seven away now. Uh, from 300, Um, you know, some things were right. We had an immaculate inning earlier yeah. today as we recorded I mean, here we, on Thursday. We,
1: we want to talk positives. Yeah. Not just from this series, because, I mean, he did again in the series, but Connor Joe, like, holy hell, man. Connor Joe, you know, he went 0-4-4 today, but, what, I think I had two doubles and a triple in the series. Um Just killing the baseball. Top 10 in the National League in OPS believe he's in the top 10 in the National League in slugging percentage right now. He
2: is, so definitely.
1: He's playing his way into an everyday role. And the best thing about Connor Joe doing this, he's not even arbitration eligible for another two years. So if he has found something, the Pirates control him for a long time. And, you know, Nick, you and I the other night were texting back and forth about what this outfield could look like long term. And hell, we might get to the end of the year and have Connor Joe penciled in there as part of this outfield moving forward. So, just awesome to see. I mean, Joe's a great story, too. For those who don't know, the reason Connor Joe's hair is long is because he is someone who battled to defeat cancer. And after defeating cancer, he quit growing his hair. What's he, you know, was done with chemo and could start, you know, growing his hair back out. He quit cutting it. It's like a celebration of, hey, I beat this thing. So, great story as well. Just hopefully he. He continues it because not only is he someone who deserves it, if Connor Joe continues it like this, it's going to go a long way for the Pirates.
2: Yeah, I mean, that was one of those moves that they made in the offseason that was kind of under the radar because they made it pretty early also. But they traded Nick Garcia, a right-handed pitching prospect for him, who was in in the first draft class um, by Ben Harrington. He was a third-round pick, and that was the 2020 draft where there was only six rounds so you know for where they had six picks there's only five rounds but the pirates had six picks but anyhow you know garcia was was viewed as a pretty solid get when they got him they paid him you know pretty good so it wasn't like they were just giving away you know some prospect for some guy that you know was gonna be on waivers next week like you know they, they they knew that they were trying to get, you know, a guy who was gonna be a part of this roster, but like you just touched on Marty, um, you know, he's surpassed expectations and it's just cool. Like you said, the his battle of cancer and beating that obviously is you know amazing, but just his story of how he's back with the pirates after you know, being drafted by the Neil Huntington regime and then the Neil Huntington regime giving up on him and, you know, just seeing him kind of come full circle and work his way back. And that just is a testament of who he is as a player and a, as a person. And, you know, it's it's not surprising, you know, you see a guy like him uh, be able to beat something like cancer just always seems to, to be putting in the, the work no matter what he does. So, you know, kudos to him for coming here and you know, just making it about baseball and making it about the Pirates. And, you know, it's, it's turning into a real good story.
0: Yeah. Well said, well said. And, um, you know, Nick, I, I don't know if you got a crystal ball or what's going on, but you've, uh, you've been fortunate to cash in on some of his home runs there as well. So. Yeah.
2: Twice. twice. <laughs> and I boosted both of them too. That money's gone though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start getting in on the corner, Joe, uh, betting train on 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 i i did hit a four leg parlay today so hopefully that's me starting to get things turned around here unfortunately part of that parlay was was uh tampa bay i think they were minus two and a half at first pitch but Um, still
0: (laughs) marty (laughs) that's that's fair though i mean it's uh you know i I think um sometimes you can bet against your team because you win either way uh that's tough to hear though but congratulations on the four legger congratulations on your winnings um You know, and and congratulations to these Buckos for kinda having that whole mentality as a team. That that hardworking mentality, that blue collar mentality. And um, you know, the mentality is just kinda every man uh pitching in something. We've seen so many guys contribute on this team. And hopefully now with whatever's gonna happen in this Vince Velasquez situation with the staff that uh you know, somebody else can come up and kind of just feed into what has been uh, you know, such a communal effort here so far in 2023 to get them to first place, to get them to 20 and 12. Um, and, you know, hopefully uh, they can bounce back here against Toronto after being swept after losing four in a row. These skids will happen. Let's see how they respond. They responded well to some adversity already this season. Uh, guys, before we get out of here, let's get to the minors for a second. Anything uh, we want to touch on in the minor leagues? I saw some I can't remember. I think it might have been Noah had an article out this week on Henry Davis potentially skipping triple A. Um, you said it, Nick, earlier, Preacher had a nice start earlier. I think it was this evening. Um, and, uh, you know, to kind of tie it back full circle, some of these calls, guys, from our guy, Andy Durham in Greensboro, (laughs) holy hell, uh, Hmm. anything you guys want to get to with the minor leagues?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll mention Henry Davis again. I'll keep beating this drum. I said on Twitter the other day, it's kind of hard to say about a dude who's drafted number one overall less than two calendar full calendar years ago at this point. I feel like Henry Davis just gets overlooked because of Andy, which is understandable. But Davis is currently slashing two seventy seven, four thirty four, six hundred at Double A um, with an eighteen percent walk that's
2: rate. A, that's at Al, Altoona too. And yeah, which...
1: yeah. For those of you who don't know, Blair County Ballpark is hell for hitters. <laughs> I live. I used to live in Altoona. Oh, we
2: uh, went plenty of games, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, my entire life, with the exception of The four years i lived in Altoona, I've lived in Johnstown, which is about 40 minutes from Altoona. Um, So I go to a lot of curve games. Pedro Alvarez, the only hitter I've ever seen hit the ball for power with regularity at Blair County Ballpark. That place is massive. So Henry Davis doing this with Blair County Ballpark as his home is saying something. He's already hit six home runs. Um, Yeah, at this point, I just I would be aggressive. I'd get Davis to the major sooner rather than later. Um, Austin hedges. Thanks for what you've done for this pitching staff or whatever, but dude, you can't hit your way. If you jumped off the Clemente bridge, I'm not sure you're hitting water. My man and your defense outside of pitch framing has not been anything special, um, but no. Yeah. Henry Davis is the big one for me. He just, I feel like I said, gets so overlooked because of Andy Rodriguez and he just is doing nothing but hitting, hitting for power and getting on base at double a just absolutely crushing the ball. And like Nick said, doing it at a great pitcher's ballpark.
2: Yeah. I mean, he, I wrote earlier, just like, it's, it's time. Like he was the first overall pick for a reason. He doesn't need triple a, um, you know, we've talked about this before. That the level of competition between the two is, you know, viewed at least by the Pirates as not much of a difference. Um, you know, for for Davis, like everything he's doing offensively is great. But what people like you, you, you nailed it is like the glaring hole in our in our lineup right now is the catching spot and you know they brought the designated hitter in and got rid of the pitcher spot and it's like we have one anyhow so and, and like davis who would be a great add to any position in the lineup but also to a position that the pirates have not gotten anything from offensively in a very long time um you know jacob stallings was was a solid catcher but like not, not going to be anything compared to the numbers that Davis can put up at the plate. So, you know, again, we said, if this team's serious, they're going to call up Luis Ortiz, you know, if this team's serious um, and about trying to, to move forward and stay, stay winning and build that a winning culture, you know, with Andy being hurt, you know, having that injury and everything, call, call up, call up Davis proved to his fan base that, you know, you are, you are serious about this. Cause you know, I don't envision them making any big trades or anything like that um, this season, just because they are, they, they would be very counterproductive at this point to, to sell away everything they've built up. It's just not time for that. So the next best thing is like, yeah, let's get, let's get more of these top prospects up.
1: Yeah. And I agree with the trade thing. I think the only way you see them make a big splash at the deadline is l- let's say a team like the white Sox decide to go fire. sale, so blow it up, start over, you know, a Luis Robert, Michael Kopik, somebody like that, where you're like gonna- a
2: trollable.
1: Exactly. You're willing to move assets because you've got somebody coming for the next two, three, four years while this window is going to be open. Um, but, yeah, an injury aside for Andy, I've always liked Henry Davis more anyway, personally. <laughs> so, yeah, get, get him up here. Get him up here. You know, get him in the lineup. Let him start learning these pitchers. Let him start. Let him learn from Hedges. That's where Hedges can really be valuable to this team is teaching Henry Davis or Andy Rodriguez the ins and outs of this thing. Get him up here. Get a bat that this lineup needs in there. In like you said, Nick, he was drafted number one overall for a reason. Let's see what he can do.
2: Also, like we talked earlier, just how this lineup's missing O'Neill Cruz and especially his power. Like recently, like I mean, that's what this guy's going to bring at the very least. Like he might, you know, not make, you know, hit for the highest batting average right off the bat. But every when he when he hits the ball, he's going to be hitting it hard and. You know, he's going to be able to provide middle of the lineup power regardless of, um, you know, overall production at the plate. But, yeah, I mean, this lineup needs power, and that's he's, he's their best prospect for it.
0: <laughs> no doubt. You know, and the draft is a little bit different, but dude's drafted number one overall for a reason. We're seeing guys move quickly now. Let's do it. There's been situations where uh, they've had to put their money where their mouth is this season. Brian Reynolds, they paid him. Uh, you know, they've made some some moves, obviously, to uh, finally start putting this team in contention. If they're serious, like you said, they're going to do stuff like this. Let's hope we see it here sooner than later. Um, but, you know,
1: one more one more thing I, no. I want to add there real quick, Trey, because you said it made me think it's a good point. To the extent they, they have, they've put their money where the mouth is, but the Reynolds extension in the offseason got and spending money on a guy on spending money on guys like Carlos Santana, Andrew McCutcher, Rich Hill. It's almost like at this point, if Velasquez goes on the injured list and you don't call up Ortiz or you don't give Davis a look here behind the dish, it's almost like you're dealing in half measures. You know. And, and and to to quote Breaking Bad this is the, the the greatest television show of all time. No more half measures. No more half measures. Either you're all in at this point, or you're not. And and the moves they've made since December indicate a team that's all in on trying to turn a corner and start winning baseball games to compete this year. And the next steps in that is giving Henry Davis a look the dish. It is if God forbid Velasquez is going to miss time, you give that rotation spot to Luis Ortiz or or Quinn priest or not Caleb Smith, you know, that's, so we'll see what happens, but you, you just, you saying that about them putting their money where their mouth has made me think of that.
0: Yeah. And you know, I mean, it's like you said, why do it halfway at this point? It wouldn't make sense for them to uh, kind of change the thought process. And I think, you know, interview with Ben Sherrington on last week's broadcast, you hear things uh, that come out. It seems like they're really believing in that, you know, and they're believing in continuing to make those moves to uh, further what they've already established through this offseason into 2023. Now um, let's hope guys, let's hope they, they make the correct decisions here um, and let's hope it works out further than that. Ultimately, let's hope that Vince Velasquez is okay. Um, and at some point we do see Louis Ortiz, we do see Quinn Priester, we see Indy, we get to see Henry Davis, but, you know, it, it's a little bit more natural and they don't have to force uh, or, you know, kind of throw guys into the fire here. But it's going to be fun to follow. Uh, Nick, I snubbed you a minute ago. I think it was your article on Henry Davis moving up to the big leagues. Anything else you guys got coming out on the website this week we're excited about?
2: Yeah, I actually wanted to mention, too, one. With- Marty was talking about Connor Joe and, you know, I, I started working on an article about just some of the surprises that, you know, beyond just obviously the overall team success and Connor Joe was, was the, the first one I was going to, you know, write about. So just, uh yeah, look, look out for that. I'm going to have a couple other, you know, just lo- low key more ones that, you know, we need to maybe start talking about more.
1: Yeah, like I said, if you are as upset with the umpiring crew in this series as I was, if you want to read a uh, a hit piece on why Adrian Johnson and Quinn Wilcott should be held accountable by Major League Baseball, make sure to check out Rumbunter on Friday.
0: go check it out. Um, please get in there and uh, you know I, I know everybody probably did some ranting of their own, but but join the party. Go read that article from Marty, go read all of Nick's great stuff and go check out the rest of the work we got on rumbunter.com right now um, from our wonderful staff who was always killing it uh, and now can write about some winning baseball as we continue here through the month of May, follow us on Twitter as well at rumbunter um, where, you know, you can keep up with us live in game, see our thoughts uh, kind of as the week goes on, but if um, there's nothing else guys until next week. For Nick Caparoso and Marty Leap, my name is Trey Annity. Until we join you next time, have a great weekend, everybody. This podcast is
1: going, 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 going. That's what it's like.